Hey guys, uh, just want to say thank you for your patience over these last couple of weeks. Uh, we will be back to a normal schedule starting next week, so keep your eye out on Tuesday when the next episode will come out. Uh, for those of you that follow the uh, podcast on Twitter, you'll know that I recently had a pretty bad ear infection, had to get some surgery done on my ear. Um, that recently just got cleared up. My stitches are all removed and everything, so I can get back to editing these. And uh, we'll have a bonus episode coming out for you soon. We had Sam Jack join us again, and we have a discussion on everybody's favorite monster, the orc, uh, and how they can be more than just a simple, low-level monster for you. So, appreciate your patience, and we'll get right into it. Welcome back to A Bite of D&D, the podcast where we add flavor to your games and campaigns. I am Zach, and sitting across from me is my co-host, Micah. And today, we are going to talk about that least of the least of the clerics, the nature cleric. Wow, that's pretty rude. Uh, yeah, I mean, when have you ever seen one at the table? I mean, I'm not saying I've seen one, I'm just saying. <laughs> Throw I mean, them at the bottom of the pile like that. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Where, where does a nature cleric have that a druid or a ranger does not? Uh, so I think first and foremost, it's the fact that they still get to be a cleric. They have the will of the gods. Yeah, they they have divine abilities that the other two classes lack. And while they are very similar to druids in a lot of ways, they both revere nature. Uh, they both worship a particular god that represents uh, nature in some way. Druids kind of aren't as dedicated to a specific god in that more so they are dedicated to nature as a whole. So while druids will definitely do their part to protect it and commune with it and all these other things, like they're they're involved in many ways, they're not actively trying to push their god's agenda. Yeah, I think that's a good point. They're they're there to keep an order to protect that realm, that area as a whole, but they're not trying to push any particular agenda aside from let nature be nature and don't impose your own will against it. Right. I think that if you're approaching this as a char- as a player and trying to build a character, like I think there's a there's several different ways to approach how do you build a character. Some people write a story and then they say what class fits this. Some people pick a class and say what story fits this. And I think that that's where it comes hard to to land on this nature cleric, but I think that you're right. There are moments where you really like, your story comes in and you're like, I like this idea of a divine person who's tasked with overseeing this forest or whatnot. And when it comes down to that, when there's a god directing the character to do something, then then it falls into this, this genre of cleric. I think that that's a hard path for a, for people to stumble into. I think that it's a whole lot easier to be like, oh, I'm a caretaker of a forest. I'm a druid. Or like, oh, the gods told me to do this thing, and it's way more than just protect this 
grove. Like, so why? So I'm not a nature cleric. I'm a war cleric or whatever, or a life cleric. I I think it's sometimes hard to fall to get on this tiny trail that leads towards the nature cleric. Well, and I will say, when you say they're the least of the least, I do think they probably have the least amount of situations where it makes sense to have them with you. Yeah. I do think more so than really any of the other clerics, they're kind of dependent on the setting yes. for how much mileage you're going to get out of them. Absolutely. Uh, most of the rest of the archetypes and domains and everything are a little bit more generalized. I think this kind of needs a specific setting to really shine. Cholt and the current Tomb of Annihilation, I think, would be a great one because you've got dinosaurs and beasts and uh, the jungles all around you. But I think there's plenty of other situations where it just it doesn't really fit at all. And I think half your abilities are going to feel just a little bit wasted. Yeah, Curse of Stroud would be a great example. Something like that, like a Ravenloft setting or something, it's going to be like, okay, well, I have all these abilities for plants and animals, and then there is nothing around. Sometimes, a lot of the time that, that has an effect with that. Um, so that's when I say that they're the least of the least, I'm just, from my experience, when you're looking at them like, how do you how do you conclude that that's what you want to play? And I think that that's just a small, like you said, it's a specialized, smaller segment. I think that there's a cool character in there. And I think that in the right setting, some of these abilities can be super great. So I, it's just a matter of does all the cards fall in the right way for this to be an option, a good option. And then as far as the, the few other ways they differ, the primary one that I can think of is druids kind of abhor metal in general. They won't use anything that uses metal in its construction, whereas clerics have no problem donning a suit of heavy armor and a warhammer and going to town on someone that doesn't uh, abide by the tenets of their god. So they actually gain proficiency in heavy armor, and they are more than happy to use it to full advantage. So let's go ahead and dive into some of those abilities uh, that they get with that separates them from other types of clerics. Sure. Uh, so the first one is the Acolyte of Nature, which they get at first level. You learn one druid cantrip of your choice, and you also gain proficiency in a druid-related skill, basically. Yeah, I think it's animal handling, nature, or... Survival. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, so this is a reasonable first-level ability. The druid cantrip is neat, I guess I would call it. But you're, I mean, it's just flavor. I mean, it's not it's not overly one way or another. I think it's a reasonable first level ability. Well, it's meant to give them a couple more connections to nature, yeah. make it feel a little bit more like thematically appropriate. Yep. And depending on which druid cantrip you take, Shillelagh can actually be very strong with them because playing a cleric, if you're wanting to focus on your spells and things, wisdom is going to be your go to stat. And by using Shillelagh on something like a club or a quarter staff, you're able to use your wisdom modifier for your bonus damage instead of having to rely on strength. Strength, yeah. So that's that's a good first level ability. Um, and then moving right along to uh, your channel divinity and kind of the options that they get to kind of flavor that. That's where you start to get into really the very situational side of things. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so. Basically, you can use that to charm animals and plants. That's Which the, um, I want to clarify, because that, that doesn't sound quite as impressive as I think it, it really is. It's a mass charm. It's, it's a 30-foot burst, right, from yep. this caster. So if you're surrounded by 100 wolves, which is obviously an exaggeration, but you could potentially charm 
a hundred wolves. Yep. Now this does not give you command over them or anything like that. That's something they eventually unlock uh, as kind of the capstone for the archetype at around level seventeen. But it does mean, and I, I think again, this is pretty big flavor-wise that they can navigate through dangerous dangerous situations out in the wild without having to harm the wildlife that inhabits it. Yeah. I think it's a good way for them to deal with situations and what should be their element without having to resort to violence, which could anger or upset their God. Yeah. So from a thematic perspective, from a roleplay perspective, I do really like it. Um, mechanically, I don't think it's, it's great because again, it's super situational, but a lot of the divine, the channel divinity options are, well, um, the only thing with this, and that's a big part of why it's situational, is that the animals and plants are heavy at low levels, but die off at upper tiers of play. And that's where this is kind of a half-hearted ability at those higher levels. It's like, when are you going to come across the war dog at level 12? Like, probably not. Like, what, what animals are you going to come across? There's some. You're going to have that here and there situation. But that's where you start talking about fighting demons and monstrosities and oozes and all these various fiends yeah dragons like that's that's where all that starts to come into a play more heavily when you're not just saving your town and you're not just saving your community but you're saving the world you're saving the universe those types of things when's when's an animal going to come into play once in a blue moon um so anyhow that's kind of it's it's a great ability like you said in certain situations certain regions um but there's times when you're going to be like, why Why do I even have this as an option? And then you kind of combine the next two into one, you told me, as far as... As far as... Um, flavor. Flavor goes. As a nature domain cleric, they get some small affinity to manipulate the elements. So the first ability they get, I forget the name of it. Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, uh, Dampen Elements. So yeah, Dampen Elements. The first ability they get as far as elemental manipulation goes is when they see an ally uh, within, I think, twenty feet, uh, 30 feet of them or so struck by an elemental attack. They can use their reaction to kind of impede that a little bit and give their ally resistance to, to, that, the, attack. to that element yeah. that they were attacked with for the turn, which is a handy little support device that they've got built into them. And then after that, they have their kind of smite, divine smite, or divine something strike, like that. divine yeah. strike attack, which most of the clerics get some form of. And in this one, it just allows them to add a d8 of a. They can choose uh, which element they want when they use it. Yeah. So they can choose an element to augment their strike with to deal additional damage on a blow. And then the final ability that they have is the Master of Nature, which you alluded to earlier, is just basically upgrading your charm animals and plants to command animals and plants. See, and the reason this skill bothers me is because it specifically says it augments your charm animals and plants feature that you get earlier, which is directly tied into your channel divinity. So it doesn't matter if you have a spell for charm animals and plants. You can't give them commands using the spell. You have to use, you have to be in the, a situation with animals and plants that then is a situation where it makes sense for you to use your channel divinity before you can use your level 17 ability for this class. Yep. I, I wish it were just any animals and plants 
that, that are charmed that are charmed or are friendly with you you could command i would like a lot more than when you use this other ability then you can use yeah it is a bonus action but still like yeah it, it it's for a capstone ability now again situationally it can be very powerful if you're surrounded by those hundred wolves and you charm even just 50 percent of them and you can give orders to 50 wolves, that is incredibly powerful. But how often are you going to run into a situation where you're surrounded by that many beasts where it becomes a really useful or a really powerful ability for you? Yeah. And I don't think there will be that many. So so we've kind of ragged on a few of these abilities in the last few minutes, but like that should not be taken as I don't like this archetype. Again, yeah, it's... Again, they're a very situational archetype. I think if you're going to play it, all of these abilities are great and powerful in a setting that allows you to take full advantage of it. Yes, and that is not to... that We are not... That's something different than playing to the meta or something like that, right? Race uh, Characters within a setting are going to be flavored towards that setting. That's not something that you're doing that's meta that's making you like, oh, well, I know we're going to fight a lot of zombies, so I'm going to be a... I'm going to be a cleric so that I can deal with that. That's that's a little bit more meta, I guess. But like this is just saying, like in a jungle setting, in a forest setting, of course there's going to be more nature clerics, and that's completely reasonable. Yep. If you guys are doing an underdark campaign, it makes no sense for a nature domain cleric to be down there. Yeah, for the most part, no. Unless it's a fungal nature domain cleric yeah, which could be cool so, i mean i guess there's always potential somewhere there's always an exception to the rule right but yeah, i go mean, to the elemental plane of fire and tell me how good your nature cleric's gonna right. be right <laughs> like there are certain things where certain adventurers are going to be drawn to those areas so i don't think it's it's meta to say that you would only use them in certain situations because i don't think every adventurer would go on every adventure yeah there's plenty of opportunity elsewhere where their abilities shine, right? Yeah, and I think that especially in 5e, how I look at it with clerics is the cleric class is really, in some ways, divine options for all the other classes. In that, like, your war cleric is kind of like your divine fighter. And your nature cleric is your divine druid and all like that. So that's how I think we end up getting to this route or I end up getting to these routes is is when I want that divine element. Well, and again, the unique aspect of a cleric is always their god. I don't think it's I don't think the interesting part of clerics is necessarily their archetype like it kind of is with a lot of the other classes. Yeah, exactly. I think That's the what I'm going interesting for. Yep. point of the cleric is the relationship with the deity that grants them those abilities. Yep. And I think using that as your main plot device both as a player and as the dm building things for your player uh should always be first and foremost on your mind that's that's exactly right and if you look at it rangers and druids pull their magic from nature that's their that's their source and and clerics nature clerics pull their magic from the divine and i think that that is a really cool distinction and yeah as a DM, I like exactly what you said. Clerics and paladins are unique in that, and and, and I think you could add warlocks in there too. So several of these classes are unique in that, they're unique in that 
you should as a deity, like these people are being chosen, handpicked by higher beings to be at least one of their uh, hands on the material plane. So having said that, there should be a lot of story there for you to dig around in that there's not going to be potentially with a druid or something like that. So if a player were to choose a nature cleric, I would highlight, underscore, embolden the divine element of this class and make it feel like they're more than just a druid. They're more than just a ranger. They've been chosen by this nature god to be their their vessel on earth. I mean, again, these are the active arm of their god's will within this realm. So as opposed to, to druids who are just kind of chilling, guarding an area, guarding an area and making sure there's there's balance there, these guys are going out promoting their god, blessing those that follow those tenets, cursing and despoiling the ground of those that go against them, as well as seeking out any threats to this god's domain. They are very actively yes. seeking these things as opposed to being content to be a part of it. Yes, that's that's right. So let's flip to the other side of this, which is how, as a DM, do you use the nature cleric within your game? So what I kind of like the idea of is if you're going to use them as NPCs, you can bring in this cult to the area that's plaguing the land not only to sap its resources, but to inflict the beast living within it with this undead curse so that they can use them as tools against their enemies in the area. And as you go to investigate, you run across this sect of nature domain clerics and these druids who are trying to impede the progress of this cult and you need to work with them in order to find a cure for this and to push back and remove them from the area. Another good example I like is uh, I just recently read through Matt Colville's book Priest where you kind of have the Knights of the Green as kind of the first and last line of defense of these border settlements from the threats, the magic. I don't remember exactly what he calls it, but it's like the wild, the wild, the, yeah. the fey woods, essentially, where these ancient celestially made constructs and creatures still war yeah. with each other. And I think there's some good material in his book for how you could look at a nature cleric as well. I like them, and I'm always this is this is probably me meditating a bit too much, but I like I like the idea of throwing in a nature cleric against a party, especially a party who has been relying heavily on like horse or mounted combat because somebody who can turn their beasts, the party's beasts, maybe not against them, but remove them from the equation is a fun idea. Like, so the party's charging in, he snaps it, uh, the, the horses scatter in different directions. And now the party has to decide, do we stick to our horses and get isolated or do we dismount and try to well, regroup? And that could also present an interesting situation and are your players murder hobos or not? Because he may not even be trying to kill or necessarily hurt your players, but he's trying to prevent, like, stop them and warn them from continuing their actions. And if they keep going, he may turn dangerous. Anyway, I think that's all I've got. Uh, is there anything you want to finish up with, Zach? I don't... I, I think we're good. I would just say that even though they're the least of the least, there's always a use for something. And I think that that comes just down to learning the lesson of paying attention to your setting, paying attention to your campaign, talking with your DM before you start a game. And I think that there's always going to be that opportunity where something like this can pop up. Yes, Andy. Yep, I agree. Uh, well, guys, as always, we will catch you next time. And if you have any experience running them as a player or as a DM, uh, let us know what you think on the Facebook page. Thank you. Later. Later.